It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Today, I want to talk about the hellscape that is technical diagramming, right? Everybody's nodding their heads right now. Uh Uh-huh. And there is a potential solution that I want to share. There was one name that several people brought up. I did some digging, and it's kind of nuts how much this program Miro has for developers. I have to share this. It could potentially be a game changer for you. So my favorite part about Miro is that half the work is already done. Like right now, typically we spend hours starting diagrams from scratch, right? Gathering information, you get buy-in from every team. Uh, You know, following up, that's a lot of work to do. But Miro has a full set of integrations with the tools you're probably already using. And they also offer open APIs and SDKs for custom solutions for all those niche diagramming use cases we have to do, right? So the end result is the same, but it doesn't take forever. It's a massive, massive time saver. I'm transforming basic flowcharts and network architectures, and it all lives in one place. So are you using Miro? Have you used it? I want to hear. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, the Braves found a way to get it done. And the rookies kicked off offseason activities last week in the branch. Now the veterans have joined them, but who has the most questions to answer on which side of the ball? And last but not least, and for the culture, the Atlanta Hawks acknowledge a very special young man. That's all next, right here on ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. I want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And when you think about what happened last night, T, the fact that the Atlanta Braves were able to pull this bad boy off in a in traditional way, uh, beating the Dodgers 4-3 to three in walk-off fashion. Ozzy Albies hit a sack fly to bring in Austin Riley, who led off the ninth inning with a double. And when you think about Travis Darno coming in, hitting the ball opposite way to move Austin Riley over, and then Ozzy Albies comes in and does his thing, team. And this is all coming from a team that leads the National League in home runs per game. See, yeah. you gotta fig- you gotta give your tip your hat, tip your cap to the Atlanta Braves because they just figured out a way to get it done last night. And I felt like it was a full display. We talked about that for them working in all cylinders or on all cylinders. The defense was stellar. We didn't see any errors like we saw the night right. before, which was great. And the guy that actually put the Braves in that situation, that egregious situation, Matt Olson said, "You know what? I'm going to right that wrong by blasting a 400." 400- 
56 footer over the chop house to get us started with our scoring. So Matt Olson definitely redeemed himself. And hopefully this will be maybe a resurgence for him as we go into that Memorial Day weekend and really, really begin to ratchet things up for the Braves. Right. But I think that you made a great point about and I know we'll talk about pitching in a moment. So I'll go to the batting part of it. Mm -hmm. Such maturity, such intellectual astuteness and such understanding of what the importance of situational at-bats, right? right? So it's so funny. Our guy, Grant McCauley, tweeted out just before Austin Riley was up to bat. Boy, this would be a nice time for a walk-off home run from Austin Riley. But how cool is it that he still gave you a double that put you in position to then have Travis Darno hit the grounder, get you to third. And then, like you said, Ozzy Albee says, hey, all I need to do is get that ball deep enough to get Austin Riley in. So yeah, absolutely love what I saw from the bottom of the order because we right. know that the top of the order has been doing its job consistently. But to me, this is a great way. I know we've got a couple more days in May and of course a big series coming up with the Phillies, but a really great hopefully start for the bottom of the order to get back to what we're accustomed to because as you mentioned, a walk-off win for the Braves is quite traditional. Yeah, we're, we're accustomed to Ronald Acuna Jr. doing his thing in the leadoff position, and maybe right. it depends on which day of the week it is or which team it is, who's going to be in cleanup. But the bottom of the order was the call of the day, not just last season, but the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, right. I like this because this takes us back to what looks like the Braves of old and what I believe will keep them on top battling back and forth for that top spot in the National League with the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, that bottom of the order includes our guy, the rookie of the year, who we talked about, who's been struggling yes. as of late, and he was able to get off the shot last night, got a hit last night. So that is so good to see. And you hope this is the beginning of a nice little run because we're right around the anniversary when he got a call up last year. So maybe mentally he was like, all right, now I can start my season. Now I can get things popping off. And I think that Michael Harris is going to definitely do that. No reason to believe that he won't. Now. Like we got to talk about Bryce Elder teeth because I tweeted out last night. I was just like, who would have thought as we are ramping up to Memorial Day? Because, you know, hey, you know, we're going to be off that day. You know, so, hey, guys, we'll be back on Tuesday, but we'll be off. Just to let you know. But as we can get ready to ramp up to Memorial Day, T, I was thinking to myself, I was like, who would have thought that Bryce Elder would be Mr. Consistency in this starting rotation? Because in the month of May, T, he is killing it. 1.84 ERA. That is absolutely ridiculous in today's in today's game. And to think that that's the ERA for May, but that his overall ERA is 2.01, best <sighs> in the National League. Right. Now, that's the more impressive thing because that goes absolutely. speaks to the consistency that you just yes. mentioned. And, of mm -hmm. course, this is just a funny sidebar. And, yeah, this is a little bit of shade, but who would have thought Marcelo <laughs> Zuna would have been one of the most consistent hitters for the Braves in the month of May? But just moving on. Moving right was. along back to our guy, Bryce Elder. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there for kicks and giggles. Yes. Yeah, Bryce Elder being a big part of why the Dodgers stranded folks, why there were one for 10 with runners in scoring position last night. You've got yeah. to attribute – most of that to him and the fact that he really of course nick anderson yeah he gave up a couple runs but ultimately speaking when you look at the bookends well, and i want to say rysel iglesias as well <laughs> right rysel iglesias yeah. getting a strike and yes. essentially putting the braves in position to be able to get a walk-off win in the bottom of the night that's so critical because you get him doing his job the back bookend but more importantly bryce elder doing his job front bookend because 
Brian Snicker says it all the time. All you want is for that starter to give you six solid innings, taking that pressure off the bullpen, especially when you're going into a four-game series against the Phillies, the first of the season. So this is another test for the Braves. And you just have to love that Bryce Elder is literally, he was the guy who was like, I don't know. He was almost like the forgotten man in, in spring training. Like, is he even going to make the roster? Like, is he going to end up triple A? Is he going to, I mean, he was like gunning for the fifth spot in the rotation. And now yeah. just as injuries would have it, he's now the third, but boy, just to see him say, you know what? I'll step up to the plate and I'll do exactly what I have to do. And it's what you needed because one thing for sure, just from a mental perspective, Travis, you really don't want to go into that Philly series knowing that you just got swept by the Dodgers. Yeah, like it because we don't like the Dodgers. That's that's where we are right now. We don't like the Dodgers. We don't like Freddie Freeman. I'm telling y'all, need to get on this board because he don't give a crap. He's trying to kill the Braves each and every time he steps out on the diamond. So yeah, and to your point earlier, T, Marcelo Zuna in the month of May, seven home runs, 18 RBIs, and he's on top of that, 328 batting average. So yeah. He heard us. He's listening, and I keep listening, bro, and keep um producing. So that's kind of where I am with it now. Like we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I think we mentioned it earlier in the week about Michael Soroka and how he's been putting together some nice performances. But T, this might be a little bit of a sign of some things to come. I feel Brian Snicker said that <clears throat> reports were positive and quote, it's all heading in the right direction. When and if we need him, he'll be ready. Is this snit telling us that Michael Soroka is going to be getting the call pretty soon? Oh, I definitely think so. I think that <laughs> yes. he is like kind of sort of, I don't want to say had it up to here. So we'll maybe say had it up to here with this whole bullpen game situation. Like you just can't yes. go into, yeah, you just can't. They go are into pretty. They're ugly. The, right. They're ugly. You can't go into that <laughs> Memorial Day stretch with yeah. bullpen games because now yeah. you're starting to really get into the thick of your schedule. This is your first time playing the Phillies. As an example, you got him at home. Yeah, you have got to start shoring up that rotation. and. When you're able to get something good out of Jared Schuster, woohoo! When you're able to get something good out of Dylan Dodd, woohoo! But your bullpen games really have been working for you of late. So at some mm -hmm. point, you just got to say, okay, I know that I'm getting what I need from Spencer Strider. For the most part, I'm getting what I need from Charlie Morton. Yes. I'm getting what I need from Bryce Elder. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's still essentially a hole to fill. And so, yeah, I think when you look at him as he's getting that pitch count up, that's something that Brian Snicker has talked about. Like as we get him closer to getting his pitch count up, the closer he gets to 100, the closer I feel confident that he's ready to rock. So for him to say that he feels like if we need him to be, he'll be ready. And also Alex Anthopoulos said almost the exact same thing. I feel like, okay, those are our tips. We're being tipped off by the GM being tipped off by the skipper michael soroka i don't know if it's going to be this weekend jarvis yeah. but i would not be surprised if it's this weekend and certainly wouldn't be surprised if we get him in if the braves get him back in the rotation to begin the month of june and he hasn't been in the major leagues or pitched a game in the major league since august of 2020 Ooh, it has been quite some time and i will definitely be have my front row seat right there with my popcorn because i am so pulling for this man because this guy is was a special being when, when when he came on the scene and i think that going through what he went through i think michael soroka is more than ready to make that his debut and i and i'm here for it all for it now 
coming up next though you know your boy was on on site yesterday uh t um otas practice i have my thoughts we'll discuss those next but first we got to talk about built bar because it is the number one protein bar in america you guys have been rocking with us each and every day and we are number one in your heart so why don't you get with the number one protein bar that's built bar because they have all the flavors they got all the things you need as far as the protein they have 17 grams of protein only four grams of sugar they got all the flavors that you want i'm talking about churro peanut butter brownie the coconut they got all of those things just a pure brownie and they got the puffs oh my god the puffs they're so good they're so great it gives me a nice pick me up when i'm going to the gym and i'm trying to get my body and my life together so guess what though got a new thing for you if you like to go pick it up at the store you can go to walmart get the four bar box if you don't have a nice little per se or if you want to go to Sam's Club, you can get the big boy box. That's what I get down with. That's my get down. If you don't want to get the big boy box, that's cool. But if you do, make sure you go to Sam's Club and get your Bill Bar. And always remember, 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 you can go to Bill.com and get yourself. You can order it today. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Yeah. And listen, I would really appreciate if you guys on the east side and the south, southwest side would go get yourself a built bar because I don't really like you jamming up my gym space. So, yeah, get a built bar. That way you won't have to be in the gym as often. Yeah. PSA for your girl. Thanks. All right. Now, personal there. Yeah. (laughs) Triggered. Sure am. Yeah. So, go get a built bar and that way I can get my workout on. Please and thank you. But speaking of workouts, off-season activities and workouts continue in the branch. Of course, we know that uh, rookie mini camp was last week, and now we got the veterans back in the building. And Jarvis, you had an opportunity to get out to Flowery Branch yesterday, so I wanted to know just some quick insights from you, some quick observations with the opportunity for you to see up close both those rookies, but also some of the new guys who are in camp for the Falcons this season. Obviously, Calais Campbell, because, you know, like, for me, like, I'm used to seeing big people because, hey, I've been 6'5", 330 pounds all my doggone life. So, you know, like, I'm I'm not too taken aback by, you know, big people because, you know, that was the big thing yesterday. But, however, T, like, when you got a chance to walk up on the man, Calais Campbell, like, that dude ain't small at all. Like, the man is a big man. And, and I think that, you know, he he's the type of guy that, like, you could tell he's a veteran. You know, he's a guy that's super insightful, a student of the game, and I, you got to love guys like that. If you're really a big fan of football, like the nuts and bolts of it, like you're going to really like a guy like Calais Campbell. And all he has to do is just perform on the field. You know what I mean? Because, hey, that's kind of where we are right there with this team because 
I, I think that he was a good guy to talk to and get some insight from because I, I think that when I asked him about, you know, just the whole rotation thing and, you know, the multiple type defenses, because that was really my, 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 my thing yesterday, trying to look at what, how, who they had out there and different um, um, formations and different, um, they weren't even doing like third downs and situation like that, but just line up against the offense, kind of see who's out there. So I, I think that, you know, with Ryan Nielsen as the, the defense coordinator of this, of this, of this squad, I really feel like I'm, they're going to be he's going to be tested early on and i've and that's going to be and the test is it's going to figure out what this rotation looks like who's going to be in on what down because do you have lorenzo carter in do you have on abicated in on third and long or does deangelo malone come in at stand-up linebacker in, in that nickel spot and, so, and and for troy anderson from time to time like how does that work and i think that figuring out this rotation is going to be something that i feel like is going to be very crucial for the Atlanta Falcons early on because, like I said, at the end of the day, guys gonna shine, and then by the midseason, you'll you'll know who's gonna be in there. But I think how you start and who you put in from the get go that's gonna be very important for Nielsen um, going forward as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point because Ryan Nielsen is new, and six of the eleven guys that he'll be working with as the projected starters that is. They're yes. new as well. So mm-hmm. when I think about where my eyes will be when I get an opportunity to see those guys up front and personal next week, I'll be paying a lot of attention to the defense as well. Because, again, yeah. if you have six out of 11 starters who weren't with this organization, this franchise last season, and two, this is only their second time with the second year, rather with the Falcons and their first year under Ryan Nielsen, to me, that's really where the eyes should be in terms of the side of the football, where you may have the most questions to answer. So in addition to having new players, have you have your defense that are projected starters are brand new. It's also seeing within those six, what are they actually going to bring to the table? Like you said, with Calais Campbell, how much will we really see him play? Like what are the percentages? What are the situations that he'll be put in? David Anyamata, is he finally going to be that guy that is going to be right alongside Grady Jarrett and really kind of wreaking havoc up front? Does he finally get that? You look at Caden Ellis and it's like, okay, got some better help at linebacker, but how good is better and I think about Jesse Bates. When you pay that much money to get that guy, he absolutely, positively <laughs> better deliver. <laughs> and then Jeff Okuda, someone who you're looking at as the possible opportunity to show that, hey, he can be that guy who was drafted in what, the top five? Uh, yeah, with, three line. overall. Yeah, exactly. Number three, right? Yeah. yeah. So you mm-hmm. see a guy in Jeff Okuda who, whom you're hoping can get back to that status with maybe health maybe some better players around him maybe some better coaching but yeah Jarvis if it's me I'm thinking I'm with you I'm I'm asking Calais Campbell the questions because that's where I think the opportunity to improve the most and the questions to be answered the most are on that side of the ball absolutely I'm with you because and and here's another question here's another thing I got a chance to talk to Troy Anderson yesterday as well because like let's just hypothetical let's throw a hypothetical at, at, at you right here if Dean Pease was still here, phew, oh my goodness. Like, I would be so comfortable with the all last year. And those you don't understand what I mean, he made lemons out of lemon. He made lemonade out of lemons. You know what I mean? Like, he squeezed all the juice that he could out of that, that roster, that talent that was on that roster last year. So, for him to be able to come into a year where he's 
truly upgraded damn near at every position on yeah. on, on on out of that they're starting 11 i think that you know i wouldn't be too concerned but like you said you got a guy who's going to be calling plays for the first time like i know he was the cold defense coordinator um talked to my guy ross jackson but he did not call plays dennis allen called plays last year he had he just had the title or whatever so of course he comes up with the game plans but it's different when you sit in that seat when you move one seat over and start calling plays coming up with the game plan and calling plays on sunday is just a different beast so i think that with all of these new additions with this new defensive coordinator i am i'm not concerned but like i said i am definitely going to keep an eye on these guys especially when they when when they opened up against the carolina panthers in a divisional game yeah and in addition to a new coordinator who's both the new dc for the falcons and the new dc overall half your squad that is projected to be starters half of them are brand new to your franchise as well another third of them are just second year players who are now on their second defensive coordinator you also have those little pieces in play where you and i and many have had questions like okay what are we going to see out of taquan graham are we going to be able to see him stay on the field and be productive richie grant same thing and then you're looking at somebody like arnold of kt and you're like okay are we going to see ak do what we thought he could do or we're going to see AK things. But I also think I lean to the defense because of the stability on offense, right? You do right. have yeah. uh, Arthur Smith and Dave are going that one, two punch back again. And you do have them with multiple weapons that they've already had familiarity with and weapons like Desmond Ritter and Drake London. And to the extent that he could, of course, just off the field, Kyle Pitts, but all of that continuity for them, Cordero Patterson, there's just so much continuity on yeah, the offense. I feel more yeah. confident that they're going to produce and that they have nowhere else to go but up and i say that in a positive way that's a that's a compliment to them because i thought that they had weapons last year but i still feel like on some level we saw some overachievement because we didn't expect that out of tyler algier we didn't expect mm -hmm. that out of cp but we I got know. it so i'm still really more confident that they're going to show improve and have a few less question marks but speaking of the offensive side of the ball i know that there was an interesting comment that came out of flower yesterday from our guy drake london where there was a question around the concept of positionless football and it's very interesting because that's a concept that in a basketball space we've heard for the last several years that you know you have players who can go from the one to the five but when you start talking about positionless football kind of heard that comment thrown around last year i think you as well as i thought that's a very interesting concept but that said the falcons might be one of the teams that is best equipped to be a positionless offense and and, and i agree because here's the thing a lot of times, you know, when Arthur Smith first came in, I kind of, you know, I like to kind of watch the formation, how they start games and everything like that, and kind of look at what how he's kind of set, you know, uh, defenses up, so to speak. I, I, I really feel like that's kind of his his sticking point. Like that, that's kind of like his his mantra. Like he wants to dictate defensive coverages by the type of formation that he throws at. Because like if you're running Kyle Pitts. Drake London, Mac Hollins, and uh, you have Tyler Algier and B. John Robinson in a, in a certain a specific firm formation. Like it's gonna be hard for a defense to look at that that person that personnel and be like, okay, what are we gonna do here? Like, are you gonna come out at twelve personnel or how are you gonna do this? So, and you know, where is B. John Robinson gonna be lined up? So, and I think that's the point of what I feel like Drake was trying to make because I asked him the question 
about you know having all these weapons and all that thing all of those things and, and kind of what the expectations are coming into the season and when you think about that from a defense coordinator standpoint that's gonna be tough like like and, and at the end of the day it's really all gonna fall on desmond ritter to maybe just make sure all you gotta do is just get everybody to rock like you know get the rock and don't turn it over I feel like they're going to be able to, you know, give everybody that comfort and peace that we have right now because of what they've established. And, you know, they got the same people coming back, calling plays and everything like that. I feel like the whole positionless football piece is just for essentially it's just like, all right, we're going to be able to throw a whole bunch of formations at you. That's all, that's all that is. <laughs> And I, I like that. I, I like that concept. And also Tyler Algier talked about his excitement with the opportunity to play with a guy like Bijan because yeah. he feels like he can learn from him. And that takes it back to a question that I asked Bijan when we had an opportunity to meet him, just had he had a chance to speak with the veterans and what was the conversation like? And he talked about FaceTiming with Tyler and how they both are like, man, we're, I'm looking forward to working with you. I'm looking forward to working with you because there's something that we can bring to the table as a one-two punch. And like you said, you can legit line up the one-two punch however you so choose and actually get productivity out of them. So I think that, again, it's going to be very intriguing and it's going to be quite a job for those defensive coordinators to figure out, okay, what is it that they're going to run? Heck, they can, like you said, they can run 12, 13 personnel if they feel like it because you do have a John U. Smith. And so you can do all sorts of things, even with the tight end room that maybe a lot of teams don't have. So continue to see just not only know that the versatility is there on paper, but the fact that these guys are embracing that, hey, I'm going to be expected to do more than just what the position is listed as for me on the depth chart, I think advantage Falcons. So yeah, love to see it. But what do you guys think about that every day? Are you excited about the concept of positionless football and the possibility of that giving the Falcons an advantage against defenses in this next season? Are you excited about this defense or do you have questions about them? And if so, where do your questions come from? Is it having a DC who's never been officially the DC? Is it the fact that more than half of that defense is a new look defense for the Falcons? Let us know. Check us out on YouTube like you always do. Drop it in the comments. And if you got a good one for us, you know we're going to bring it up on ATL Day, Day Ones. And of course, listen, I've got a lot of driving to do today. I got to go up north to John Creek's west east side to Athens and back down to Atlanta. So if you got driving like that, go on and download our podcast wherever you download your podcast because then you can listen and have a wonderful drive all around Atlanta Metro. Today, I want to talk about the hellscape that is technical diagramming, right? Everybody's nodding their heads right now, uh-huh. And there is a potential solution that I want to share. There was one name that several people brought up. I did some digging, and it's kind of nuts how much this program Miro has for developers. I have to share this. It could potentially be a game changer for you. So my favorite part about Miro is that half the work is already done. Like right now, typically we spend hours starting diagrams from scratch, right? Gathering information, you get buy-in from every team. Uh, you know, following up, that's a lot of work to do. But Miro has a full set of integrations with the tools you're probably already using. And they also offer open APIs and SDKs for custom solutions for all those niche diagramming use cases we have to do, right? So the end result is the same, but it doesn't take forever. It's a massive, massive time saver. I'm transforming basic flowcharts and network architectures, and it all lives in one place. So are you using Miro? Have you used it? I want to hear. Absolutely, the sultry voice of Tanitra Batista and whatever my voice is. Yeah, 
Go ahead and check us out right there. But see, this is for the culture. Is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. When you think about, you know, T, we've had plenty of conversations about mental health and, you know, and making sure that, you know, when you don't feel right, make sure, you know, you say something or 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 don't harbor all of those feelings inside or go talk to a professional or have a person that you can be safe with to kind of reveal some of the things that may be going on with you. I, I think this is the perfect story to speak for that, speak to that, excuse me, because we talked about the generational piece of being raised to not say something and all that. And I think Takari Tatum, a young man, he's 11 years old. He had actually published a book talking about mental health because it helped him get through his situation where he had his, where his grandfather had passed away during the pandemic. And he, you know, really focused on processing things and, and really being able to deal with things. And I think that was absolutely great. Now, one step further, the Atlanta Hawks, they took it a step further. They surprised him and bought 50 copies of his book. And, you know, they hooked him up with some swag as well. How about that, T? The young man, 11 years old, out here making sure that people understand, like, it's okay for you to talk about these things. I absolutely love it. And a child will lead them. That's what that word says. So I really, really love that he's saying that. And I also love the fact that it's a young man because Mm -hmm. that's such a difficult thing sometimes for men or males to actually admit that they're having some challenges. And I was just having a conversation last night about how much of an impact the pandemic had on all of us. And some of the remnants are still here. So I appreciate him. And I also appreciate the Hawks for acknowledging it because when you as an organization of male basketball players acknowledges that, then that normalizes the conversation. So yes, so proud of little Mr. Tatum and also appreciate the Hawks for acknowledging him and saying thank you to the point where, hey, we're going to buy these books to support you and we're going to spread the word about the great thing that you're doing to shine a light on something that many of us, if not all of us at some point, have had a challenge here and there in our mental and it's always good to know how to get to the other side. Absolutely, T. And also to kind of shine a light on, you know, one of the best, one of the better performers in the history of music, Miss Tina Turner, dead at the age of 83. Rest in peace to her. When you think about what she went through and all her dealings with Ike Turner and being married 16 years and have to literally start over. Um, I feel like, you know, we lost a good one, T, when you talk about the impact that she had and the the role model that she was for women who may have been going through the same thing that she was going through. Yeah, and she may have been one of the first artists to reinvent. She invented the reinvention because, yes. you know, artists now, they go back and forth between genres. They act, they yes. sing, they write, they do all kinds of things. But she was the original who said, you know what? I was known for kind of being this kind of, rock and soul type but it was still more soul than it was rock if you will and yeah. then she connects with Erwin Bach and some other producers who of course was, ended up being her husband but she connects with some others who see the talent the ability I was listening to some of her kind of top five favorites if you will um, even going back to Proud Mary but then you think about what she did to remix what love what's love got to do with it to the point where you forgot Al Green even ever made the song but like like, she would start off in the lowest register possible and it was so smooth and she would crescendo that thing until by the time she got to the hook it's like 
man, like she just had so much power, yeah. but it was controlled power. And for her to be able to do it at the highest level for so long. Yeah. Just really great that we had the opportunity to just be in her presence in some way, shape or form. And I can remember having fun with it myself because many years ago, is it a talent show that I won because mm -hmm. I did my reenactment, my best reenactment of proud Mary. And yeah, so I just, oh, yeah. Wow. Is yeah, there a video of this? That's where it was. New Jersey. Anyway, go ahead. Oh yeah. See, see, I'm telling y'all, <laughs> I'm telling y'all one of these days I'm going to catch T slipping because these New Jersey, I keep hearing about this New Jersey days. And she won't tell me about it. So, yeah, you know, every day is make sure y'all drop a comment in the comment box. T, tell us about New Jersey because I've been trying to get her to do it and she just won't do it. I'm sorry. But T, tell us what we got coming up tomorrow because I ain't yeah. getting nowhere with this. <laughs> yeah, won't tell you guys about Jersey, but I will tell you guys about a mission that I am on tonight. And if I get it popping, I cannot wait to tell you about it in the morning. And that mm. is a mission to get over there to Truist Park and see what the Braves are talking about with these darn bobbleheads. Like, I got to get one of those outcast bobbleheads. But more important, the Braves yes. got to get a W tonight. And we certainly hope that Dylan Doc can make that happen for them in the beginning of a four game series so we'll talk about that any more word coming out of flowery branch some reaction on the continuation of off-season activities and if there's any more word about what's going on whether that is hawks or whether the heat go on and dead this thing on the eastern conference side of the nba finals we will okay. bring it all to you tomorrow so make sure that you guys enjoy the beautiful day here in the a and come back and check us out tomorrow and last but not least, before we get out of make sure that you guys share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love. Expectations matter. What do you expect from an SUV? Versatility? A range of sizes built to fit your life? A range of exteriors that all invite stairs? Or being able to take control of more than just the wheel? Expectations matter, but exceeding them matters more. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. Today, I want to talk about the hellscape that is technical diagramming, right? Everybody's nodding their heads right now, uh-huh. And there is a potential solution that I want to share. There was one name that several people brought up. I did some digging, and it's kind of nuts how much this program Miro has for developers. I have to share this. It could potentially be a game changer for you. So my favorite part about Miro is that half the work is already done. Like right now, typically we spend hours starting diagrams from scratch, right? Gathering information, you get buy-in from every team, uh, you know, following up. That's a lot of work to do. But Miro has a full set of integrations with the tools you're probably already using. And they also offer open APIs and SDKs for custom solutions for all those niche diagramming use cases we have to do, right? So the end result is the same, but it doesn't take forever. It's a massive, massive time saver. I'm transforming basic flowcharts and network architectures, and it all lives in one place. So are you using Miro? Have you used it? I want to hear. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta Sky Miles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business.